Welcome to the fifth episode of the sixth series of the Women in CX podcast, a series dedicated to real talk conversations between women in customer experience. Listen in as we share our career stories, relive the moments that shaped us, and voice our opinions as loudly as we like about all manner of CX subjects. I'll be your host, Claire Muscat, and in today's episode, I'll be talking to an incredible community member from Tennessee. She has more than 20 years of experience in contact centers across various verticals and functions and has a passion for conversation analytics as a necessary technology on the path to improving business performance. She marries both her operational knowledge and her innovative thought leadership to guide and consult with top brands on how to achieve their business objectives and is driving transformational change within customer success. Let me introduce you to today's inspiring guest, CX sister, Loretta Campastre. Hey, Loretta. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Welcome to the Women in CX podcast. We're absolutely overjoyed that you're joining us today. And welcome to everybody who's listening or watching along wherever you are in the world. So we may as well jump straight in and ask the first question that I ask all of my guests. How (laughs) have you found your way to the Women in CX community and how's it been going so far? Well, um, so as you know, uh, my uh, marketing team is getting ready for a London users conference where we're going to invite all of our users together. And we've had great success in establishing a women's summit. And so we actually, I think we reached out to you, Claire, (laughs) to come and join us there. And then as a result of that, um, um, our team and your team worked out a lovely corporate membership. So many of my call miner uh, friends are now also members. And so that's kind of how we got here. Um, since being in the community, um, I've already dove in and I, <laughs> the first thing I found was um, there's so much uh, and, and that's a good thing. And, mm-hmm. and the content and the resources are expansive. It's not just, you know, journey mapping. It's not just how I look at customer effort. It's not, it really is truly touching every point of CX. Um, and that was, um, that was just, that just took my breath away. Um, one of the things that I'm working on right now at Call Miner is journey mapping. Oh. And um, <laughs> so I got to listen to Yana's um, effective journey mapping webinar. And it was just brilliant because she had very simple best practices. So they're easy to implement. And so it's just, you know, listen to that for about 20, 30 minutes and had actionable things that I could take away and and implement. So it was uh, so far so good. And I think it's only going to go up from here. So thanks for having us. No, yeah, amazing. And I'm very much looking forward to speaking at your conference. It's um, June 20th, isn't it? Yeah, not not long. Yeah, it's coming up. (laughs) I know it's coming up. Yeah, I've just got back from speaking in South America. So yeah, back in, wow. back in some, yeah, well, during the pandemic, so I never, you know, wasn't out and about yeah. speaking. It's so lovely to be back doing that. But yeah, thank you so much yes. for um, being our first technology company as a corporate member. I think it's so important, yeah. isn't it? You know, talking about diversity and inclusion and putting your money where your mouth is and doing things like having women's resource groups that you then buy memberships for. I think it's a really great signal of intent. So thank you, Corbyn. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure the audience would love to know more about you, who you are and um, your career journey to, to get to where you are today. Tell us your story, Loretta. <laughs> well, I don't know that it's an exciting one, but it certainly is mine. So um, essentially, I broke out into work life uh, as a frontline agent on the phone. And um, don't hold this against me, but I, <laughs> I worked for a collection agency for about a decade. Um, and so that gave me incredible perspective. Um, what I found through doing that, because those are really tough conversations to have. Mm, really um, tough. And very. <laughs> um, what I found was, is there was a passion and a skill um, for helping people, right? And, <clears throat> and so what that then led to was, all right, if I was the frontline agent, um, I'm helping my consumers resolve mm. debt, right? Um, and then... I, I found a way to help my fellow collection agents on the phone by jumping into the quality assurance program. And then I went into the training program. And then eventually um, I started helping our clients realize the value that our agents were providing, right? Mm -hmm. So I came into client services um, and in client services is where I started asking the question, how can we do this smarter, not harder, right? Um, this is a, <laughs> a little while ago. Um, but even then, you know, technology in the contact center and making those, those operations easier and more efficient was definitely top of mind, still top of mind today. <laughs> um, but that journey led me to um, Call Miner. And so I actually implemented the Call Miner platform in my contact center to help us get inside of the call. Um, we were, were held in the collection industry to very high standards in terms mm -hmm. of privacy, financial care, and, um, and being able to assure that type of quality and compliance, um, we needed to be able to do it at scale. So mm -hmm. that's when I found Call Miner and, and I couldn't ignore that there was a, <sighs> an interesting alignment between my own values and, and the need to help, right, um, with their values, right, and their need to help drive business performance. So um, I, I like to tell people that instead of, you know, maybe some people run from a bad situation uh, at work, I was running towards my next big opportunity. So I joined Call Miner. Um, which was quite scary uh, because I was a contact center junkie, <laughs> not a software tech person by mm. any stretch of the imagination. Um, but that, that drive, that passion to help um, mm. just served me very well. And so now um, I'm helping our broader customer success organization map out the right engagements and activities to get our customers uh, to success. So it's been a wild ride, but quite fun. Yeah. And just such valuable experience, isn't it? Like starting at the front line, understanding operationally how these things work. And I think technology is technology, isn't it? But like understanding how people work and how contact centers operate and what's important in terms of um, what they're trying to drive and the real challenges and barriers that the frontline agents have, I think stands yeah. you in such good stead, isn't it? 
no, no matter what yeah. you go on to do because you have the reality the customer and the employee reality especially like from debt collection as well that's not the easiest <laughs> no. No. place no. to drive no. experiences I'm always fascinated I've spoken to about four or five women in the community who've all come mm-hmm. from like this debt collection background and um and it wouldn't have been a place I would have thought much customer experience thinking happens but apparently it does because um yeah you get you get an interesting set of um, conversations that happen. Um, th- folks generally, you know, fall out from a brand and, and in collections for financial reasons, but there's a whole host of CX reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so having that frontline experience within that industry, I think, is really kind of to your point, right? Given that unique perspective of operationally, what does it take, mm-hmm. and 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 what kind of conversations are actually happening, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's what that's what gets me excited because I know what kind of conversations are happening. And I know if someone can just look at that, at that 50,000 foot view, mm-hmm. then there's a whole host of intelligence that should drive how a brand um, serves their customers. Mm-hmm. Got it. And what was that transition like then? Like, it sounds like it was a bit of a challenge. Was this one of the barriers that you had to overcome to become the woman you are today yeah. yeah it is well so, so so when I think about some of the challenges of the barriers that I've that I've faced over the years it, you know mine was more of a um, doozy because it was kind of a trifecta I came into the workforce quite young because uh, I knew everything right um, so I quickly dropped out of high school got my general education degree and um, hit the, hit the scene and um, essentially uh, I was a woman so I didn't act look talk behave like my male counterparts I was young so I was inexperienced yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was undereducated <laughs> so it was it was a challenge at, when I made the jump from contact center to software as a service I found the same things that served me in that arena, which was leaning in on my resourcefulness and leaning in on my resiliency served me well when I made the leap into software. So essentially I started in the workforce, not knowing a whole heck of a lot of anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was quick to look at any of the industry associations or groups and communities like this right, that were out there actively trying to serve, you know, their industry and market. Um, Google became my friend. Yeah, (laughs) still still my best friend to this day. And now chat GTP4, but. (laughs) See, well, exactly, exactly. Look how that's even evolved in the last, you know, so many years. But yeah, so like I kind of got Google educated, right, along the way. And so I think the resourcefulness definitely served me well in that scenario. Um, And then resiliency, you know, as a woman, I didn't, like I said, behave, act, talk like my, my male counterparts. And that, that definitely shook them up a little bit. Um, And so there were often times when I was the note taker or I was the one coordinating mm-hmm. beverages and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And that's unfortunate, but the silver lining or the lemonade out of lemons <laughs> there is I was in the room and I was hearing the conversations. I was actively listening. And um, at the end of the day, she who controls the pen 
note taking controls <laughs> the objectives, the outcomes of the meeting, the actions. The actions. Right? <laughs> oh, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So it was it was looking at it from the I can't control how they perceive me, but I can control what I do with it. And mm. and I tried to just keep that front of mind. And it so far it served me well. <laughs> mm. Um so just picking up a few little bits in, in what you'd said there. Um so how old yeah. were you when you hit the workforce then so after high school how old's that 18 17 and a half like I came out early yeah (laughs) wow that's so young isn't it yeah but you but you do at that age you do think you know everything I remember (laughs) oh my gosh you couldn't have told me anything right yeah I thought I was like a full-on adult at about 15 (laughs) now I look back and I think oh my god I was like such a baby um but but the the experience um of being a young woman in business really resonated with me and the struggle to be taken seriously because of your age like it seems to be the thing that happens with women now it doesn't you're either too young or you're too old or you're you know something but um but the the that feeling of like being expected to be the note taker or to make the beverages that also happened to me on my way up um and being like very different to your counterpart so like I started on the front line, but in hospitality, worked my way up ah. to be a gem- general manager at 23. And um, when I was a general manager of restaurants and hotels, pretty much yeah. everybody on my region were all white middle-aged men. And yeah. I was 23, <laughs> like a, a very girly girl as well. Um, yeah. But, that, but that, that sensation of like, you know, looking and, and being different um, and yeah. like also being judged differently even for the same behavior as guys happened to me so I would be <sighs> speaking up like and putting my ideas forward and I get the feedback you need to tone it down a bit it's a bit much and I was like but he <laughs> was sat next to me doing the exact same thing <laughs> but it's like he got praise like he's assertive he's like a leader but I was like yeah. a bit too much so I think you know I think oh, I think you know times have changed and there's a lot more awareness around um equality but like that was really stuck with me and I know it still happens to women today because I talk to them yeah. a lot especially women yeah. in their early careers so yeah so like, yeah. be be super conscious of not being dismissive um but yes and, and, sure. <laughs> um but yeah so and, and now you're the VP yeah so now I'm the AVP of success strategy here at coal miner and I get to spend my day helping to essentially orchestrate all the activities and engagements that our frontline success owners um, need to navigate to get our customers realizing value from the platform. Um, and, And if I look back, right, every single step along the way to here, uh, to the point you made earlier, frontline agent and the perspective that it came with that, to leading the operations, to training them, to all of that has built a unique experience belt that um, that now I'm in a position where I'm good at what I do, I'm enjoying doing it, um, and I'm doing it with a platform that I just feel really, really uh, passionate about. So it's just, it's all kind of come together now, right? Um, yeah. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. Self-actualizing. Um, yeah. So just to kind of move the conversation forward a little bit I think there's two things I'd really like to dig a little bit deeper into and I think this is part in part going to be about connecting the dots between the conversations that happen 
at the contact mm-hmm. center and customer experience more broadly and in terms of what's happening in the cx industry how quickly it's evolving um i'd love to talk a little bit more about the influence that, that women have on this because i suppose like ai is male dominated tech and SaaS is typically male dominated there are definitely yeah. a lot more women in non non-technical roles but in terms of leadership and driving the agenda um t- tends to be more male dominated so let's start on the cx aspect yeah to begin with yeah. um and obviously i was kind of sitting on the technology side and specifically you know got your finger right on the pulse of what's going on in contact centers how do you see cx professionals leveraging contact center interaction data into their cx strategy and i think just for the benefit of the listeners maybe giving mm-hmm. us a bit of a 101 on what kind mm-hmm. of data is coming out of the contact centers about conversations just so we can all start from the same place yeah, no, that's that's great. So, so the way I think about conversation analytics is, you know, contact centers for for a long time were able to get some pretty good insights in terms of when a contact happened. You know, when the customer contacted a brand, how long did that contact happen? And this could be call, chat, you know, web, email, what have you. But all of these all of these data points were outside of the interaction, right? Nothing inside of the interaction. The closest you got to inside the interaction were one of three ways. One, survey, um, which is good because you, you do get feedback. You get some verbatims from your customers. Um, but the, the scale or the scope is quite small. And sometimes the results are a little polarizing. Um, The other way was old school QA methods, right? Where you have someone actively listening, but again, the scope's quite small. Um, And then, um, you know, finally, just looking at um, the contact center um, agent notes, right? And and trying to do some kind of text analytics, maybe over the way that the agent summarizes. So that's, that's generally speaking how the contact center was able to uh, yield data. Now, conversation analytics essentially says, great, good, all of that stuff is lovely, but now let's dive inside of the contact, right? Mm -hmm. Let's get inside of that call. Let's get inside of those email exchanges. Let's get inside of those web forms that the customers are filling out. Let's get inside of those chat interactions or the texting um, so that you can start categorizing aspects of those interactions eventually scoring and overlaying things like sentiment right at the beginning or the end of the interaction um so so that's what conversation analytics is for me right it's an ability to get inside of the call and start to pull data points up that can basically give your cx professionals actionable data um so that's a bit of a bit of a baseline there for conversation analytics. Some of the results that they see out of conversation analytics are um, at the tactical agent level. Um, if you're in a sales environment, um, if these are the objections that prospects typically give, what are the rebuttals that are most effective, right? Or um, if a customer calls in and wants to return a product, again, you can look at this in aggregate because you're looking at across 100% of your calls or your chats, um, 
if they're returning product A, what are the top three reasons why? Do they not like the color, right? Um, is it is it just a little bit wonky with how it closes? I mean, whatever the product is, right? Um, but being able to distill and aggregate that information across 100% of the, the contacts is really, really, really valuable to the CX professionals. So that's what conversation analytics does. Mm, so just for my own benefit, I think. Um, so, yeah. so what you're saying is it's, um, so there's the actual telephone conversation and voice and analytics about what has taken place. So I'm assuming that's some machine learning processing the conversation, yeah. but then it's yeah. also pulling in data from contact records and texts and messages and everything. So that just aggregates like a view of that customer in that conversation mm -hmm. and then those conversations are aggregated up to give you data about the operational side is that right yep yep absolutely and and from there calls are happening all the time you know conversations are happening all the time customer may call in for um i need a new a new shipment right i need a new product shipped to me mm -hmm. But along the way, that agent and that that customer are having conversations about the brand, right? And you're not going to miss any of that, right? Mm. Um, and so you you get stakeholders that are interested in the data out of conversation analytics, like chief product officers, right? Because they want to know how to improve their product. What are their customers saying? They can look at the surveys, and and that's going to tell them, uh, you know, some information. But when they marry the surveys with inside, getting inside of those calls and those chats and texts, um, it's quite the scope and scale of it all gives them the confidence to make decisions on how to, to change their product. Okay. Um, so how are great CX professionals integrating this kind of technology into their CX strategies? What are they doing with it, this data? Yeah. Because <laughs> data is so great, connecting... right? but you don't do anything with it. <laughs> That's right. Well, and, you know, and I like in our platform, like our platform can do so much and conversation analytics can do so much. Um, but to your point, if, if there's not action derived from that, then what are you really doing? Um, what we're seeing is in CX, and, and the way I've always thought about CX is, it's kind of the marriage between customer satisfaction and customer effort, right? So customer satisfaction being, is that customer satisfied with your brand, your product, your service, et cetera, right? And then effort being, are you making it easy for that customer to engage with your brand and do business with, right? And what we're finding is because conversation analytics can kind of, or does unlock that black box of inside of the call, CX professionals are now creating scores because they're able through machine learning to categorize every element of the call. They're able to create predictive scores on customer satisfaction and on customer effort. And once they have score predictors that help decide whether or not our CX is at a red state, a green state, or a yellow state, then they're able to use those predictive scores as smoke alarms for the, right? for the customer like attrition or for yeah for all of it right so Pro they're able to say problems. Okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> everything if my customer experience score is red right i'm gonna go and do a deep dive into those conversations 
across any channel, digital or otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. And from there, they're deriving insights that help them improve people, process, and technology, right? And so it becomes a continuous improvement mechanism for the CX professionals. So the ones that are truly trailblazing um, are taking the contact center data, wielding it in such a way that they get a, a CX prediction score, right? That then allows them to point their root cause analysis efforts um, at something that has the scale and scope that gives them the confidence to make business change. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I was going to say, can you give me an example? But you yeah, <laughs> sometimes it's a little nebulous, you know, a little ambiguous when you're, when you're talking about it. But when um, there was a, a brand earlier this year um, and late last year uh, that I that I was working with, and it was a um, a fun handbag brand. I didn't get any discounts or anything, but um, <laughs> no free bags. But um, but uh, but we were working with the brand, and you know one of the challenges that they had were costs associated to. Um, sending new product back out, right? So a product was sent to a customer, customer never got said product, the customer calls and they're like, I didn't get my bag or wallet or what have you. Um, and as part of a good customer experience, that brand just automatically sends, you know, the new product right back out, right? No mm -hmm. questions asked. That way they don't put their agent in a really bad scenario, trying to troubleshoot something that they have no control over or insight mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. and they don't put their customer through a bad experience of trying to sort out what the problem was yeah they just get the bag well the the brand was able to leverage conversation analytics to get inside of the calls at scale right so 100 of the calls and they were able to understand that when a bag was ordered from their outlet online system mm -hmm that system was not equipped to handle apartment numbers. Oh. So every time somebody ordered a bag from their outlet online store, if they had an apartment number, right? Just got lost. They didn't get their bag. <laughs> so it's just loads of little bags like all over America, yeah. like lost. So somewhere, <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And so, and so what, what the contact center was able to serve up to the CX professional before that, right, was, it's happening a lot in New York mm. or it's happening a lot um, from the outlet store, mm. right? Um, but there was nothing ticking and tying these things together. Um, and when they were able to get inside of the call, it was found that every time that apartment number was present, the bag didn't, the bag didn't make it to its end and destination. Um, and so now the brand was able to, with confidence, right, go to their so. CIO or technology, right, and say, hey, X percent of our bags are having to be reshipped. Of those, and it was, you know, X percent is because this outlet online store isn't caring for apartment numbers appropriately. Mm -hmm. um, and so they were able to make a systemic, systemic change that had measurable impact on their CX scores. Mm. And that was how CX professional was able to take contact center data 
and make a business change um, and take it to, like I said, the CIO or CTO or whomever it was to say, we need a new, we need a new system to care for this because we're losing X dollars um, because of it. I wonder how long it would have taken to identify that. <laughs> you know, being in a contact center, you know, and an agent on the phone, I can tell you, I remember, you know, being part of focus groups, right? They, you know, QA or continuous improvement would take us off the phones and they'd say, all right, anything, you know, new challenges coming up for the customers lately, this kind of thing. And, um, you know, that's always as good as the, the most recent call that the, the agent had um, because it was, you know, top of mind or what have you. So I don't know. I don't know the answer on how long it would have taken them <laughs> to get to it, but I can tell you woof right like maybe too long <laughs> yeah and I just I just can't get over there's all these little bags there out there somewhere homeless like <laughs> like and, and so one of the um one of the ways we clued into it was there was uh you know this day and age when f- folks have the cameras um oh yeah attached to the front of the door yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. so they have um video of you know a uh, you know, a driver setting the bag on, you know, a stoop that had nothing to do with their, you know, and so I'm like, oh, these bags, <laughs> they really are just out there in, in space somewhere, not getting utilized. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Oh. Yeah. oh, that's a really good example. So sad. Yeah, and I think um, I'm, I'm getting asked more and more frequently about, um, like, the connection between being able to leverage data across um customer experience and typically it's been used for things like personalization and marketing isn't it so it's really interesting to see at this end um which is kind of when customers are making contacts and looking for support how that's being used um to inform business decision making um because i remember like when i was head of cx at a huge retailer like (laughs) um that didn't have any kind of technology like that. I remember having to go mm-hmm. in and because um, we knew that there's like one pro- a problem in a department because like yeah. the sales were declining and they were like massively overspent. Um, but I had to like go into the contact center and ask them to download like every single contact and conversation that had happened. Obviously, you would never have seen what was inside the conversation, but mm-hmm. they had to manually categorize whether these complaints were about food, environment, service. And being able to take that back then to a senior director and go, yeah, there definitely is a problem and this is what it is. <laughs> but that <laughs> yeah, took me yeah. like weeks to be able to do that. There was no kind of like alert yeah. system. So I can really see the value of that. Um, yeah. 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 So now, so now that predictive score that um, the CX professionals are creating um, really do, like I said, act as that smoke alarm, right? And when they conduct root cause analysis, they're able to come out with a people processor system recommendation for the business to make change. Um, and they're able to do it in a fraction of the time um, that they were able to do it before. Yeah, because the smoke alarm goes off. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. And now for a quick word from one of our sponsors. We are proud to be supported by Kantar, the world's leading evidence-based insight and consulting company. Kantar CX helps clients define customer and employee experience strategies better understand their customers via measurement and in turn improve business outcomes driving true commercial ROI. 
To find out more about Kantar CX practice, please visit the sponsor links on the homepage of womenincx.community. Now back to the episode. Well, this wouldn't be the inspiring women in CX podcast without bringing the focus back to women again. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, just right. to, just to leave leader on for from that. Um, I just was wondering a little bit more around how women are actually influencing the uptake of technology and connecting the dots between contact center and CX. Because I've got a few statistics, like um, seventy percent of the frontline workforce in contact centers, customer experience more broadly, are women but only 30% of those ever make it into even frontline management. Um, And then when we think about SaaS and tech companies, only 28% of the total employee base are female. Um, Sorry, sorry, 28% above senior senior management Mm -hmm. level. So women are massively underrepresented, Um, not necessarily at the frontline in contact centers because loads of women are there at the um, frontline of customer service, but so few are kind of getting into those positions. And I know I go and talk at a lot of tech vendor kinds of conferences, and most of the time I'm talking to men. (laughs) Um, In terms of the room, the buyers, the um, the CTOs, the contact center leaders, the um, decision makers are quite often male. So yeah, I just wondered, like, what's your point of view on, how women are yeah. shaping this. <laughs> and well, also, just, you know, so what, one more to add, sorry. So I think I said this earlier. Yeah, than those. So only yeah. 12% of um, AI like professionals mm-hmm. are women as well. So the people that are designing, developing, delivering the technologies, it's very male. <laughs> uh, basically the, being developed by um, men, apart from ChatGTP4, where I found out the CTO was a woman. I was very impressed with that. That's little. right little statistic but she's one of only eight percent of yeah. female ctos yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but she did yeah. a great job right she brought like one yeah, of those game-changing products to market knocked it out of the park knocked <laughs> it out of the park i mean i'm i don't know very many people that don't have it like as an app on their phone or yeah. on their desktop right i mean she's knocked it out of the park um yeah. but your point's valid you know the the stats are saying um, and, and they're true because like you said, you go to an event and you're talking to a sea of, of men with the, the male bias. And, um, the reality is, is we're, we've got a long road still yet to go to get that kind of equilibrium reached. Um, but what I'm finding is where the women have broken through and they're, they've got a seat at the table in CX leadership and specifically CX tech leadership. Mm-hmm. They are bringing that desire to understand and know more from more perspectives. And it's, and it's just brilliant, right? They, you know, the CX women that I'm, that I'm talking to are constantly asking, well, what does so-and-so think about this? Well, how are they thinking about this, right? <laughs> they're, they're reaching out and grabbing a diverse group and pulling them in mm-hmm. um, because they realize that their voice, right, wasn't, wasn't present for so long. I think that they just inherently see value mm-hmm. in, in collaborating, but collaborating with a diverse group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm seeing more and more of that. That's, that's the impact that I see on our CX professional women in tech and, and the impact they're having on the industry is that mm-hmm. they understand the value of diverse collaboration and they are 
for all intents and purposes, demanding it of, of their organizations. And it's just, it's amazing. Um, the other thing that I'm seeing is, is more and more allies. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, it's, I, don't, I don't have any, um, anything other than anecdotal, but I can tell you when I go into these CX, um, you know, uh, workshops and we're trying to design a solution that's going to fit that brand and what have you. Um, there are more and more men that are stepping up and, and, and looking for that collaboration. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and stepping up and saying, I'll take the notes. Right. So I am encouraged. I think there's still a long road ahead mm -hmm. um, because it is very, you know, male dominated. And some of those um, folks don't necessarily have that ally um, viewpoint. Um, but I am encouraged at least in, in my immediate, you know, world, mm -hmm. I'm seeing, the CX women demand diverse collaboration and I'm seeing more and more friendly allies um, take a take a prominent step uh, so it's 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 exciting to see it and I hope that you know in two years when we do this podcast again and we'll do more yeah. before then but you know <laughs> that the stats are going to have a stark you know yeah. Um, incline yeah yeah it's, it's interesting so yeah I can I, I can't remember the stats off the top of my head, but I've presented about this before. Is the difference okay. that in between how men and women in leadership think and the point that you raised about collaboration is a very much more female attribute of leadership. So um, looking for um, collective wins across the organization, looking for broader representation for decision-making, but also a longer-term view on um return on investment for example so men t tend to think in shorter term uh, payoff right in front of me yeah yeah but also um uh, but also the impact so um it's been proven with science and i wish i had the statistics on me now yeah, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> um but 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 women have a stronger um value placed upon things like social benefit so um you know, talking about people employees customers like we are just more um attuned to that as a, mm -hmm. a, a as a, something of high value yeah. um whereas men are tend to tend to be more like data and numbers oriented and not to say women aren't commercial because they absolutely are mm -hmm. but it's just like the how we would get there is much yeah. more collaborative inclusive um and and courageous when it comes to things like social benefit and a longer term yeah. view is so I think you know that's the, the kind of core reason why this like, yeah. issue of diversity in leadership is so fundamentally critical um, especially in environments now where like the social and economic and ecological impacts that the world is experiencing definitely needs more of that collaborative longer range broader benefit um perspective on on how and why we do things so no, yes absolutely. i hope in two years time it changes i know um, I, I, know. I, I i'm just really encouraged with you know our communities for women and customer experience yes. and technology we're being invited and asked can you find speakers for these events because we want better representation we're being asked like can you find me podcast guests because i want better representation of women um Love it. 
people are coming to us and saying, hey, we've got this role opening um, at, at a leadership level. Can you help us source the right person from the community? That's so, so great. I think that this, the community is like acting as a bit of a vehicle for, for people to come, knowing that you know we've highlighted the problem of you know women are 70% of the frontline workforce, but only 30% are getting into um yeah. even entry level management um and now there's somewhere to come and say can you help us can we collaborate together can we do more stuff and yeah just and again just amazing call miner is the first tech company to see that <laughs> come and bring not only your employees as members but um, also five of your customers as well which is even more we we had a brilliant showing at our women's summit last year and um and it was you know one part call miner um, team members and leadership and two parts call miner customers. We've got some of the best customers around and um, I'm happy to say that I see a lot of women in those CX leadership positions. So like I said, I'm just, you know, I'm hopeful that that this tide is, is turning, um, but these communities go a very, very long way. What we experienced at that first, at our inaugural, if you will, event last year was a, a real connection um, with those women because one woman would say, hey, this is what I've, what I've experienced. And I've, I've seen this all over the women in CX community. So I know it's catching like, you know, fire, but it's, it's a woman would say, here's my experience. And nearly every other woman in the room, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And there's, there's empowerment in that to say that, oh, I'm not, it's not me. Yeah. It's right? the system. Yeah. It's the system. Right. Yeah. And then, and then you get a, it's patriarchy. You get a bit more confidence. Yeah, exactly. You get a bit more confidence. Yeah. You get a little bit more jazz in your step and you're not as easily to back down or as easily to sweep your voice under the rug anymore. And I think these communities like women in CX are going to only continue to support that and even hopefully get us to where we're gaining like ground exponentially because that, that confidence is built. Yes. Yeah, that, yeah, confidence and feeling supported by a whole load of other women who are in the same boat and wanting to rise up together. I think my final point would just be about, you know, when we get there. So, for example, you know, as an AVP or when I was in senior management in retail, being able to extend the ladder back and be recognizing opportunities to help bring the next person up. I think being like the role models, you know, the role model that you are for women, the thing that we were missing when we were on our way up and looking up and thinking like, who do I want to be? Are they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be, you know, being yeah. visible, being that person. And I think you're right. The role of guys in this, we can't solve gender equality alone. Um, so those men that are stepping up to say, what, what, don't speak over her. What was it you're going to say? Or asking, what would you like to contribute? Or seeing someone with potential um, just because they don't look like them or mm -hmm. uh, fit into the same mold. You see someone with potential being that person that steps out on a limb and says, we should give this person a shot. You know, and there's more right. women and minorities that uh, men can do that for. I think the faster this problem is gonna, gonna be solved. So on that note, yeah. <laughs> is there any like one final piece of advice or takeaway you'd like to leave the women in CX audience with today? Yeah, advice is always tricky. So um, uh, the the advice that I'd like to give is actually advice that I received from somebody else, which hopefully makes it carry a bit more weight because mm -hmm. it resonated with me and I'm trying to, to live it. <laughs> um, 
there was a woman that we invited last year at our women's summit. Her name is Whitney Hawthorne, and she is the creator, um, leader over the savvy working mom. You guys can look her up. Um, her mission, her, her, um, passion is to ensure that women can thrive in and out of the office. Right. And so she's got these guys in these amazing, um, you know, frameworks that, that she shares with women. So we invited her, um, what she started out her message with was so provocative. Like it, my jaw hit the ground. Um, and it was provocative one because of her mission, right. Mm -hmm. Ensure women can thrive in and out of the workplace. And, and it was provocative because what she said made me go, oh, no. That's that's not right. Um, I want to know what it is. What was it? I know. I have to give you the build, right? I have to give you the build. Um, She came in and she said, "All right, ladies, work-life balance is a myth." Mm. And I that shook me to my core um, because that up until that point in my mind, when when someone asked me like, "What's your goal in life?" Right? It's oh, I just want to make sure I'm balancing work and life, you know. Um, and her point was this life is what you want balanced work is an element of life Mm -hmm. to suggest that work should be evenly weighted (laughs) against every other aspect of your life is setting you up for failure. It's setting you up for burnout. It's setting you up for a host of, 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 uh, things that you just won't be able to achieve. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what I, what that caused me to do is say, okay, what are my goals and how will I achieve those goals and where does work fit in to help me achieve those goals versus right. Looking at my personal calendar and my work calendar and making sure that there's a 50, 50 split, because that just, what that did is, is it, it set me up for a lot of, a lot of pain and heartache. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm happy to say that that advice kind of left me changed. I'm still working it. It's a practice, right? Um, because it's a total mind shift, <laughs> but uh, that's the advice I'd give. Don't seek work-life balance, seek balance. Work is an element of life, not your life. Oh, that was great. <laughs> I'd really like- And not mine. Yeah, no, that's, that's Bruce, you, you know, you're paying it forward, aren't you? Yeah. Passing it on. And now all of our listeners will- We'll know about that too um yeah yeah like it's 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 so easy isn't it to make everything about work and trying to fit bits of your life in around that and I think we're conditioned to just continually and perpetually just work ourselves harder and harder aren't we because of the capitalist mindset that exists in the world about what we're supposed to be striving for um That's but right. in a blink of an eye like <laughs> what did you do with your life I worked and I and try to balance my life with it I don't want to be on my deathbed thinking that so thank you for the reminder (laughs) (laughs) exactly Um, exactly so Loretta it's been awesome to hang out with you today on the inspiring women in CX podcast thank you so much for coming thanks for having me it's awesome talking to you today yes and thank you to everybody who listened or watched this podcast episode we'll see you all next time bye for now bye bye Thanks for listening to the Inspiring Women in CX podcast with me, Claire Muscat. 
If you enjoyed the episode, please drop us a like, subscribe and leave a review on whichever platform you're listening or watching on. And if you want to know more about becoming a member of the world's first online community for women in customer experience, please check out our website at womenincx.community forward slash membership. Join us again next time where I'll be talking to one of our community members from the UK about removing the barriers to adoption during digital transformation by considering user well-being. See you all soon.